The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I like that. I think you need to start doing it from now on. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know the script. Okay, well, I do know the script because welcome back, Lee Shackelford. How are you? I'm well indeed, very well, and hope you are the same. Uh, I there's, am. There's a, hur- a hurricane sitting on a lot of us right now, and uh, I'm just glad that down there in Mississippi that you have electricity. I did. We're actually recording tonight. Yes, indeed, and I am very blessed, very thankful, and very humbled by the fact mm. that I only had a flicker of the lights. I did not lose power, and that can't be said for everyone, especially for our friends in Louisiana. No. So for anyone in Louisiana, our thoughts and prayers go out to you as of this recording and as of any time, actually, but there, specifically there. as of this recording. So, yes, thank you, Lee. I am so glad to be here. Absolutely glad. And I loved how you ad-libbed the Discussing Network Presents. I think that's going to be our new thing. We'll take turns. Go for it. I like that. Speaking of taking turns, that means it's, mm-hmm. it's the time to take a turn and say, Clarence Brown, how are you, my friend? Other than having a slight headache, I'm doing well. I don't have much to complain about because I'm not in the path of a cat with three hurricanes. Uh, so four. I, oh, cat four here. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, just hearts and minds and also glad that my family and everyone I know are okay. So, um, yeah, I have not much to complain about, man. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it was good to hear from your brother, Carrie last night for discussing Trek. I've heard from my brother on the coast and, you know, it's, it's again, our hearts and prayers to everyone in Louisiana, but we dodged a bullet and literally, so Yes, very, very thankful. And very thankful for everyone who is tuning in to this episode because you're not here to hear about the weather. You're here to escape, hide from the weather. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk Doctor Who, specifically the story Hide from Series 7. One thing I will mention really, really quick, Mr. Shackelford, is you do have a new toy, I believe, that might be... Doctor Who created at some point, because I have a feeling you will find some way to create something Doctor Who. So just really, really briefly, tell everyone about your new toy. I'd love to hear from all listeners of Discussing Who, who are also makers, DIY people who have gotten interested in 3D printing, because I have have the Creality Ender 3 V2 uh, 3D printer, and it's become my new my new best friend, because nobody else likes me. No, it's become my, it is my favorite toy. And <laughs> because you can literally make toys with it. And I've been doing all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun. And yeah, the, there, the number of people out there who have uh, turned their computer modeling skills towards making Doctor Who related things uh, are um, like the stars in the sky. There's so much Doctor Who stuff out there, so... I know, you're right. I'll be downloading it and I'll be uh, printing things out. Living a dream. Yes, indeed. Exactly. So I have to ask this question before we move on. What Mm. prompted you to say, I'm going to go out and purchase a digital 3D printer or whatever it's called? I have been drawing and painting and trying to sculpt all my life. And I have always wished that I could make. The desire to sculpt has always been in me. I've tried doing things and forbid I should have tried to cut something out of stone or 
or metal, as my Duanus does, Bentley. But with the 3D printer, you can build it in the computer. And when you mess it up, you just erase it and change it or whatever, and then send it to the printer. And it makes a tangible object out of it. It's, <laughs> I, I am living the dream. It's, it's probably as close to the, uh, you know, the, the Star Trek uh, replicators I'm going to get in my life. <laughs> what does something... And I'm I'm sounding really elementary here, but I'm really curious yeah. now because this is yeah. a question I've never posed <laughs> to myself before. We will I'm get to Doctor Who. Assuming that it's Ooh. not on paper, right? Okay, all right. Well, but you know what is on paper, digital paper, are my notes, and my notes are screaming at me as if they were a ghost for me to move on. So. I think we do need to move on. Let me say, if you have not seen the episode Hide, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review Hyde. This was the ninth episode of the 2012-2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 20th of April, 2013. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald. So, summary view, Clarence, I'm going to start with you. Summary view, what say you? Oh man, um, I didn't like this episode. I, I didn't like it at all. There were some qualities in it I thought were okay, but overall, I just found it. I'm gonna sound like Cal Jones on this one. I just found it very boring. <laughs> they they made up for a little bit for they made up a little bit for it at the end, but for the most part, I was extremely bored by this episode. It just didn't feel like it was doing anything new or interesting to me. The performances were great, and even some of the computer graphics in it I thought were pretty good, but I just, I just didn't like the story, and I'm thinking it might be Neil Cross. He may be the problem, because he also wrote The Rings of Akaton, so. So, Lee Shackelford, what say you? Uh, Neil Cross, Rings of Akaton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have many good things to say about this episode either. But um, I'm with Clarence. If there's something to love about it, it's the performances. I, I'm just going to come out here and say that I am completely in love with Jessica Rain. So, oh, um, yes. So, yeah. In, in anything and everything that she does. And, and how weird is it that with all the, the episode juggling that we've been doing, that we end up talking about this the week after we recorded our episode about adventure in time, space and time, in which she is... Very Lambert. Um, but uh, anyway, she's the best thing about this episode, except possibly Jenna Coleman. So, mm. yeah, not a big fan, but we'll, we'll get into it in more detail, of course. But it doesn't warrant the last one, which I so loved editing that episode, hearing you say, I absolutely hate this episode. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't warrant yeah, that I, much. I, I, no, I don't have as, as much a, you know, many axes to grind as I do with the rings of Akatan, but uh, mm. there's, there's enough. Any guesses, Clarence, Lee, on what I'm going to say? It's your favorite episode of all time. Mm. <laughs> Wrong. Uh yeah. Any other guesses? <laughs> Any other guesses? <laughs> yeah. All right. So for me, 
I was so bored. Oh my goodness, I was so bored. I was like, oh, I'm making notes. Oh, I have no notes. Oh, I have one word written. I have notes. Oh, it was not as bad as the rings of Abracadabra, but it just, uh, it, 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 it was like you set up a nice box. You're looking at the box and you're getting ready to open it. And this box looks really good. And then you open it and there's nothing in there. And then you're disappointed. That's what this episode felt like. It felt like it was draped with all this cool elements, mm-hmm. but there was nothing past that real cool cover. The book was completely empty, but the cover was like the best ghost story you could ask for, but there was nothing inside. Yeah, and for me, I was instantly worried as soon as Clara gave the Ghostbusters line. I was like, that didn't hit like it should have hit. I'm like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. might be a long one. <laughs> Uh oh, trouble. (laughs) So I want to actually go outside the story because I think this honestly can add some substance to the story. And Lee, I want to point this one to you first. The idea of ghost being something not a ghost. When you get to the resolution, you find out, oh, Well, it really wasn't a ghost. And I know this is a story trope that's used again and again and again and again. What are your thoughts from the writer perspective of having that trope? Is it something you like? Is it something that can be done well? What are your thoughts? Oh, it's it's a concept for this script that I really like. And it, it sticks to the Doctor Who rule that I think has been in place since 1963, that um, everything that we are, that's experienced as being supernatural has a real-world scientific explanation. That when people are calling it something else, it's superstition or fear, misunderstanding. And, and Doctor Who has always been true to that, except, of course, when it isn't. But <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> that's been, you know, Sutek is not an Egyptian god. He's, uh, you know, he, he's an Osiris. <laughs> they're, from, they're a race from another planet. You know, it's... And, and so on and so forth. I think the first time that we ever came close to breaking that rule in the whole series was in the Satan pit. The doctor's not sure if that isn't actual Satan or not. Yeah. But if so, wh- where did it come from? How did it get there? And, you know, so I, I think the idea that the reason why this image has been flickering through the generations, finding out that's because it's a time travel. Yeah. Who's being seen in glimpses as they hurtle through time. I think that's that's a really cool idea, and it, and it really actually makes perfect sense. And finally, along comes somebody who is capable of tracking them down and actually rescuing them. To, but the doctor can't do it by himself, and I think that's also very interesting. That, that the other the other thing about the script that I like is this this revelation at the end that the doctor didn't really come there for the ghost. He came there for Jessica Lane's mm-hmm. character, for, yeah, because he's got a question for her. I, I dig it. But, and see, there's somebody who has a, 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 a psychic, empathic gift, and you could say that's something supernatural. Yeah. And the doctor accepts it as being completely true as what it is. So it's not 100% bulletproof. There are times in Doctor Who where there is something that is outside the senses, if you will, or the outs, outside of uh, ordinary science that, that it turns out to be true. It turns out, you know, that is the way it is. 
as far as we know, you know, until we come up with an explanation. What, what, do, you, what do you guys think about that? Did you did you like that aspect of the story? Or? Uh, I mean, I, I do think how it was used in this particular story was interesting with how this was a time traveler. They were potentially connected by blood. That's what drew them to each other. I thought all of that was good. But on the whole, I felt like explanation and diving into that part felt like a small piece of the episode. It, it wasn't enough of exploring that idea that, you know, that could have potentially made the episode better that they, they didn't even, they waited until the latter half to try to try to get into. And even at the very end, just kind of throwing us a few words to explain it all. So I probably would have liked diving into more of that maybe a bit earlier. I don't know. I don't know. I just think the ghosts are kind of overused a bit. And, and when you think of, maybe having a scary Doctor Who episode, I can think of others that I thought were done done a lot better. That I were that at least felt more scary um Blank. Than than what they were doing here. Blank was the perfect example of that. You know, that that could have been characterized as scary and so forth, because a lot of people do characterize it as scary. Especially for someone who's, you know, never watched Doctor Who before and that's their first glimpse into it. My thing with this was I felt like the, oh, this is really a time traveler kind of was a cool, easy explanation. But on the same vein, I would have rather her have not been related to her because I thought that just made it. I know the familial bond is a, well, that's why the connection was there. Okay, I get that. Mm. But I think what I would have enjoyed better was if this would have actually have been someone from the 16, 18, 1700s, whatever, that found some wreckage that there was a device that unsynced them. So, yes, they were a ghost, quote unquote, but for some reason they were caught in something and they figure out how to release them and they go back to their own time and place and you see them waking up in their own time and that's how the story ends. I think that would have been a better twist than having this futuristic descendant to hers. Yeah. It's yeah. a good story. I'm, I'm Hang on again. I'm writing this down. Cool. Uh, <laughs> have at it. Okay. Yeah. 16th century. Yeah, because in the end, the only reason why she needs to be a descendant is so we can now heavily hint that this couple should not only that they not only belong together, but they better get together as yeah. soon as back to the future. So uh, <laughs> I'm fading. Exactly. You, do, you don't have a photograph of the time traveler with a head disappearing. <laughs> so I understand that that's why that has to be, but it does, it did feel forced and kind of tacked on. We, we, did, we didn't absolutely have to have it. Well, that was my next question. So I will point then first to Clarence, because that was my, my next question was, did you feel that this romance between the professor and his assistant, did it feel organic or did it feel like we're shoving this down your throat because this is a plot device? What did you think, Clarence? Uh, well, for me, it felt totally organic until the doctor's bit at the end where, you know, now they have to be together because, you know, descendant, right. uh, possibly. But before that, I was loving it. The the 
it's funny we talk about Jessica Rain. You know, she was what they call it. Um, I forgot what acronym they, well, what words they use to explain her. But uh, what did he call her? Um, um, they they call her an, an empathic psychic. Hmm. That's made up. Which I loved all of that in this episode. And her performance was just off the charts. And, you know, again, I felt the relationship between her and, and Professor Palmer uh, was, was, was great. It's kind of that two people that should be together, but they can't see, you know, one of them is, is too dumb to see what's right in front of them. And I loved all that. And just the performance she gave, the sensual, seductive, almost seductive performance that she gave in this episode was just totally different from the uh, the movie we just watched. And I really loved to see the range of this actor. And I, I was just eating that part up of the episode because I thought she was... I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> Even more so after this episode, I'm a fan of that actor. You know, I will tag on this to it, which is I could go so far as to say that I never knew, and this is a compliment, I never knew that this actor that's playing this part is the same actor who pep played Verity because she presents herself so radically differently that yes. it seems not only like one actor playing two parts, but two whole, complete, undeniably different people. So kudos to her, because until you guys said it, I think it was Lee that you said it, that, oh, well, you know, this is so convenient when we was doing 250. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that's the same person, because I <laughs> never knew that. Well, good. I'm looking forward to when you ask us at the end of the episode what... Uh shows to recommend because then i can give you the uh, jessica rain playlist ah cool so, but yeah I, i'm clarence i was really predisposed to liking this episode at the very beginning because i liked the two of them that um, they look like they're they're being ghostbusters ghost hunters <laughs> but they, they but the, it looks like they've come at it from a spiritual side and a science side and so i thought this is interesting i just want to see a whole episode that's about them which is which is cool and the guy is Doug Ray Scott, who is uh, does a lot of British television, and I just really liked him. Yeah, as Doctor Palmer, he 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 does a great uh, Mark Ruffalo impression for one thing. So, mm -hmm. so a little bit of historical trivia around Mister Scott. Does anyone know who, in an alternate reality where he was able to schedule appropriately, does anyone know what? very well-known character from the movie verse that he could have been had scheduling been a little bit different. Ooh, you got me. Mr. Brown, do you know? No, no idea. Well, back in 1999, he was actually the original actor to play none other than Wolverine. But hmm, scheduling with Mission Impossible that. 2 that he was in with, you know, mm -hmm. Tom Cruise kept being delayed, kept being delayed, and 20th Century Fox kept pushing back the Wolverine scenes till it got to the point after Scott had a shoulder injury that they said, okay, we can't, we've got to move forward, get another actor, hence here comes Hugh Jackman. But he was the original actor cast as Wolverine. Interesting. Well, time back, way back, um, somebody did a TV movie of um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And he was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I just thought he was great. Hmm. Doug Ray Scott. Who names their kid Doug Ray? <laughs> People it's not Scott Doug and Scott. Ray. It's Doug, Doug Ray. Ray. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's, that's a Scots thing that I, I, I guess I've never 
encountered before, but yeah, his, his first name is actually Stephen. Stephen Dogray Scott. Hmm. So what did you guys think of this revelation that this wasn't an accidental tr- you know, trip. We've mentioned this briefly in our conversation so far, but we do get to the point where we find out at the end that the doctor has come to ask a question, not the oldest question in the universe, but his question, (laughs) which was, tell me about Clara. And Clarence, I've got to ask you, because you're the Clara fan, what did you think of that? Well, knowing what what, what Emma Grayling can do, it definitely makes sense that the doctor would seek her out to get a read <laughs> on who Clara really is and what she really is. How is she possible? Uh, I find it interesting that through the course of the story, it was actually Emma giving the read on the doctor to Clara at first, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on his, maybe his trustworthiness a little bit. So um, it definitely makes sense that he will seek her out. I don't know. I just find it interesting that the doctor is still, persistent on, on trying to figure out what is actually going on, which he should be. I mean, he's seen her in three different timelines, so he definitely should be trying to figure out what's going on with her. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it made total sense. I guess I have mixed feelings about it. If the reason she was had such a strong connection to the ghost is because that ghost is actually her great, 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 great granddaughter, then can we trust her sense of... Uh, somebody that she isn't related to um good point so so there i think the internal logic of the story kind of gets gets wobbly but it it still makes sense that the doctor would seek out somebody who can help him solve the mystery but but i'm not sure that was a very satisfying moment in that sense i don't know well from that matter he should have been calling robert stack not who this person was i mean if he's trying to help solve a mystery seriously yes or that, Leonard Nimoy. Or exactly. So here, here, here was my problem with it. I get the whole idea of trying to find out who is she, and you know this, this is, you know, a good thing to do. You know, you've got a question, you want to answer. Whoop de do, fine. My thing is, there has to be someone else in space and time with better psychic abilities than this person. No, no disrespect to the character, but. If you're looking for a psychic read, there has to be a better psychic than this person. Maybe someone from a planet of psychics, Betazoids, I don't know. Just go to somebody better. That being said, the other part that I did not like in that was you warn Clara of the doctor, and that's it. There's no follow-up to that, at least that I know of. This warning sense... I didn't well, get that. I, I, I think they kind of hinted at it a little bit again. Once they're uh, a, a part of the episode, I actually like this when they're doing the time hopping to actually figure out the mystery of the three second <laughs> uh, Hilla going through. Oh, no, Kimmy, Kimmy, is it? What's her name? Hill, yeah, Hilla uh, moving through time very slowly. They go to different points in history and we see the beginning and the end of this particular location on Earth. And it, you know, what Emma has put in, in Clara's head, it makes her question, you know, what are we to you? We we have to be nothing. We have to be insignificant. Like, why are you even here? You know, so I, I think they do pay it off a little bit. Maybe not that satisfactory, but 
<laughs> they do kind of hint at it again. But that's the way it struck me too. And the, this is one of those cases where I could sense a, a remark like that being part of the, the larger arc of the season rather than something that would be relevant only to the episode. The the image that he's got a sliver of ice in his heart is, that's a powerful one. What does she mean by that? But then the, the doctor has the conversation with the other doctor uh, about what it's like to have witnessed so much death in your life that you just want to get away and do something constructive with your life. And we know it's it, what my sense, my reading of that scene was that both of them have parts of themselves that they've just compartmentalized and tucked away. And the empath he, reads that as a sliver of ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Palmer makes the remark, uh, experience makes us all, makes liars of us all yes. about who we are, about what we've done. And then uh, again, like that little romantic connection they were trying to make. And, and she returns and says, about how you feel, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so they, they definitely kept that going a little bit, which, you know, I thought it was, it was cute. What did you guys think of the TARDIS seeming to open up literally because the door is open to Clara this time? <sighs> what were your thoughts? I didn't like it. <laughs> I know we were going to get more in later stories, but I'm trying to figure out if they just set that up for this episode or we're going to revisit it again. Because to me, that's a lot to set up for this episode just for this payoff, which I don't think made sense anyway. Okay, um, let me just uh, explain the pocket universe. So she pleads to the TARDIS to get inside to go save the doctor in the pocket universe, right? Why can't we do just do that from the beginning mm-hmm. if it's a possibility? So to me, whatever, whatever the thing, whatever the episode had already built for me to get confidence in the story. That just threw it all out the window, and I was just, I was kind of tuned out at that point. I'm like, this, and then they do it again at the very end. Yeah. It just kind of slapped in the face to me. So as far as her, the TARDIS having trust in her, it made sense because we need to revisit that again in this story. But I'm hoping somewhere down the line it, like, comes back because it was to me it was a lot to set up just for this one little stupid jaunt in a pocket universe in this episode. <laughs> Mm. I, I kept wanting to have this the logic, the story logic of it explained to me. I don't, if the TARDIS doesn't like her, that's one thing. And we have hinted at it before, so it's not coming out of the blue here. But, but why? And what's, what, where is that going? The doctor says the TARDIS is like a cat. But you, you have to kind of win its uh, friendship. And, and I like that. We've never heard that before. But is that how that scene played out? The TARDIS appeared as a hologram of Clara to say no, and then did it anyway. Just like Clarence says, why didn't we do that in the first place? So I, I, I didn't understand. Now, visually, just sort of as a you know, sort of eye candy, I love any time we see the TARDIS flying around close to the ground. You know, I just, I just love that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And, and the Doctor holding on to it as we once saw Captain Jack do, that should have ki- killed anybody. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what is he gripping on to? Like, yeah, what is I, he? Don't, I, don't, I don't know how that is supposed to work. But uh, so, yeah, I just didn't understand what was happening always. Yeah, well, my thought was, uh, especially after knowing that Neil Cross wrote this and 
the other episode, you know, the rings of ABCDEFG. A, a, uh, mm-hmm. I just like making up names for it because I didn't like sure. that episode. Um, <laughs> that said, I think he set up his own story and he resolved his own story because I don't think we get another instance of the TARDIS not liking Clara unless we get it in our next episode, The Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. I don't think we get another inclination that the TARDIS doesn't like Clara other than these two points. So I think this is something Cross was doing that, man. Yeah, he didn't come yeah. back, so maybe they didn't like where he's going. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they so. finish a little arc. And I read a comment from someone on social media today saying this is their favorite 11th Doctor adventure. And um, and golly, I hope uh, one day Neil Cross <laughs> is the showrunner. What? So, you know, it's, it's uh, things like that to me are always a healthy reminder that um, my opinion is just my opinion. There's somebody else out there who feels just as strongly, 180 degrees, you know, wow. more power to them. But I didn't, I just, I felt like there were so many things in this that were plot conveniences. The, the, the Scooby-Doo kind of tiptoeing through the house. Oh, there's this thing that pops out in the dark, you know, those kinds of things. I think they were very effectively done this episode, but I've seen them and yeah. yeah. Might have been why I felt boring too, because we just Whoa. seen all that. The first Ooh, act. Something just blew it. the candles out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, fans of the classic series have to love that. Um, when the doctor builds his gizmo, that part of it is the eye of harmony for God's sake. Uh, which was mentioned to us first in The Deadly Assassin. And the other part of it is uh, a blue crystal from Metabilis III, as the third doctor says. The 11th doctor calls it Metabilis III. Mm. Maybe maybe in the intervening years he learned that he'd been saying it wrong before. That's weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the last episodes of the third doctor's time uh, turn on the, the blue crystals from Metabilis III or Metabilis III. Cool that he's still got one. And of and course, he's he's got the orange spacesuit from Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, so that that's kind of fun too. Uh, and the thing that he puts on what what sort of the character's uh, Emma. head, Emma's yeah. head, is reminiscent to something the second Doctor put on when he was trying to show some memories or show something to Zoe. Interesting. So I did not remember that. So th- so there but, are uh, a lot of good callbacks mm. in here there yeah, are a momentary kind of yeah and it was brilliantly acted and i want to kind of give a shout out to jenna coleman because regardless of these little things we're nitpicking she did so well in her presentation that i never knew that this was the first episode that she actually recorded so she yeah. stepped mm. in as the character you know immediately it didn't feel right. like, oh, well, she's trying to find her place. It just felt as easy as to say that what she presented here was the same thing that we've been seeing all along. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't, mm, now that you say that, it, mm. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts? They tell me Ghostbusters was the first line in Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as present day, Claire. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Not, for the no, um thanks right. for the clarif- clarification. Clarification, yes. Mm. Oh, isn't there a fan journal about uh, Jenna Coleman out there called uh, Clarifications? There's got to be. 
Oh wow! Like, no, I guess people don't do fan journals anymore. That's going to be my next fan site. Let me get that okay. URL. There you go. <laughs> Clarifications. <laughs> Run, get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, she had she had already done uh, Souffle Girl and um, Victorian Clara, but uh, yeah, but yeah, the first episode recorded for the Clara, modern Clara. day Clara is uh, Hyde, and this. I'm glad I said it out loud because it reminded me. I kept watching the episode this time, trying to remember why is he called Hyde. <laughs> Silence has fallen because we uh-huh. don't know. Yeah, um, isn't that odd? Mm. It could be called a lot of things, but I don't know if I'd call it Hyde. <laughs> or did I miss something? And I'm. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So maybe maybe this is what was hiding per se and if it is it was very poorly executed because if we have to like sit here and search for it then it's poorly executed but is hide the other creature was hidden until the very end that's a left field but just no, asking. that's as close as i've been able to get to the only time that, that anybody talks about hiding is when the doctor is calling out to the creature because of love. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I guess my biggest question about this is that it's, it's sweet, the idea that uh, the doctor needs to go back to that creature to help it get back to its mate. I don't know gender here. But um, I don't understand how the doctor deduces that the creature chasing him needs a piggyback across, he says. He figures that out first. And then he figures out that it's because it's looking for its mate. But I don't understand how he came to either of those conclusions, and they're really important. Mm. No, I always assumed that he saw the creature in the window, uh-huh. and that that was how he deduced it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Except there, well, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. It, it, it's just a fun idea. This is oh, I know what the problem here is. You're you know, you've been separated from your, your other. That's okay. But where did he get that? Where did that come from? I It didn't trust it enough to let it piggyback back to reality and I guess yeah. take it where it needs to go. Well, we I guess. And where is that? <laughs> so we don't. <laughs> that just. Okay, so here's how that felt to me. And this is what kind of ultimately made me dislike this episode. Mm. You, you present this left. You turn left or whatever you want to call it. No, not turn left. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, right. you, you, you give us this curveball and say, oh, well, the things we just said. And then you set up to go find the creature. You find the creature. And then it goes off. You don't have any resolution. And it's in credits. And it was like, were you trying to fill up another 45 seconds right. to a minute? And yeah. You had to come up with something, and this is what you did. That's how it felt. That's that is indeed how it feels. Yeah, you didn't have a good yeah. ending, did you? Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I hope that we always have a good ending. So that leaves me <laughs> to ask you guys: Are there any other points that we have not discussed that you guys would like to mention? Some quick little things. Um, uh, just when I was thinking, ooh, I really like this episode. I like the, the, the chemistry between these two characters. And, you know, it's just really fun. And uh, 
uh, oh, something strange is happening. Wow, it's like it's a real ghost. And now there's a banging at the door. It's going to be the doctor and Clara. And it was. And I thought, <laughs> how many times yeah. now have we done the, who can it be? Oh, it's the doctor. R- really? At this point? How, how many? The haunting of Villa Diodati. Yeah, same uh, exact thing. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, and the Bells of St. John and anyway, on and on. I think we could make a list of how many times that joke has been done. I'm sick of it as of this point. Um, when the when the doctor's rattling off uh, the professor's uh, credentials, he mentions very quickly that he's a member of the Baker Street Irregulars. That is the uh, the premier, the upper echelon um, group of Sherlock Holmes fans uh, by invitation mm. only. Yes. And uh, so I enjoyed that, of course. Just a super fast reference to Sherlock Holmes fans. The doctor isn't quite sure what to call Emma, but he, then he uh, uh, catches himself and he says, it's 1974, so you're the assistant. Now, that's a meta joke about Doctor Who. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because the companion, calling calling them the companion is new Who. In the old series, they were very often his assistant. So, yeah. So he says, it's 1974, so you're the assistant. I, like <laughs> I didn't realize companion was a new Who, new who thing. Yeah, yeah. They mm. were not, uh, not companions before then. Usually, usually they didn't defend it at all, but uh, sometimes they, like the doctor would introduce Joe Grant or, or Sarah as his assistant. Even even with the seventh doctor, did he refer to Ace as his assistant? I don't remember him ever calling Ace anything except Ace. Right. You know, and, and this is Ace, you know, sort of defying, <laughs> daring somebody to ask him about the relationship. And the only other little thing is that I love that the doctor quotes the uh, the Cole Porter song, Let's Do It. That's just, he says, oh, yeah. birds do good. it, bees do it, even educated bees <laughs> do it. He can't resist. So <laughs> those are my, my good things. About it. Awesome. Awesome. Mr. Brown, what about you? I don't have anything. Good deal. But I think, and I bet, and I speculate that you might have a favorite quote. So do you have a favorite quote? Uh, Clara says something that I consider blasphemy. Uh, <laughs> whiskey is the eleventh most, most disgusting thing ever invented. How dare you, Clara? <laughs> Good one. And if you have to pick a number any time during this this season, of course, it's going to be eleven. Oh, of course, <laughs> it's always eleven. I love this. This is a throwaway line of the doctor's. He's uh, he's scanning the room with the sonic screwdriver. And he says, it's telling me that you haven't been exposed to any life-threatening, transmundane emanations. Mm. I, I think I'm going to start saying that now. I, I hadn't caught that before. <laughs> transmundane. That just means out of the ordinary. <laughs> so, you haven't been exposed to any transmundane. That's fun. I do, too. I do, too. So here was my favorite quote. What's the doctor to the TARDIS? What's wrong? No, to Clara. What's wrong? Did the... Did the blah, blah. The doctor says, what's wrong? Did the TARDIS say something to you? And then to the TARDIS, are you being mean? I just thought that was cool. All right. Favorite scene. And I will take this first favorite scene. Emma to the doctor says, doctor, will it hurt? The doctor says, no. Well, yes, probably a bit. Well, quite a lot. I don't know. It might be agony. To be perfectly honest, I'll be interested to find out. (laughs) I just thought I love it any time he does that. that. That that is a running joke, really, for the eleventh Doctor, and I, I always love that. <laughs> All right. Well, then that tells me that I should love your favorite scene. So, what's your favorite scene, Mister Shackleford? 
I loved them doing the uh, the good old H.G. Wells thing of having a time machine stay in the same physical spot, but actually just rock back and forth through time alone, going billions of years into the past and then billions of years into the future with some stops along the way. And it leads to Clara being deeply shaken by that experience. And the doctor didn't expect her to be. And she says, we're all ghosts to you. And it, it, it gives some um, gives some justification to doing an episode, a story about ghosts. Yeah, she says, we, we must appear as transient to you as this thing that's been appearing for three seconds at a time in their house, you know. It's a... It's. I think it's. It's. It may be the best thing in the episode. But uh, that was my favorite scene as well. How about they're, that? They're going through time. Yeah, uh, we're all ghosts to you. We must be nothing. You know, uh, just great, great, great line. And just I like the imagery of the scene of them <laughs> jumping out and taking pictures, and that was vital to what the resolution of the episode. So mm. I mean, I just love that scene. Awesome. So final rating, and Clarence, I'll start with you. Final rating, what say you? Uh, I will give this 2.5 Nikon cameras out of 5. <laughs> mm, Okie doke. Lee Shackelford. I'm going to give it three bright orange spacesuits. Mm. Mm. So, wow, okay. What did you say, Clarence? How, what was your number? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you always oh, try two, to split the difference. Huh? No, I don't. I mean, yeah, probably. 2.75, yeah. <laughs> yours was 3.75? No, no, I my, said yours would have to be 2.5. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Follow your heart, man. I Follow am, I heart. am, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of of a good... Object? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, 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 I have one. I am going to give this 3.5. Zero one, mm. unseen ghost that were hidden out of five. Okay. Now we know what was actually hidden out of hide were the okay. unseen three point zero one ratings ghost <laughs> out of five. I, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, apparently not too hidden. We had pictures of them everywhere. I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> showing out. Yeah, they did keep showing up uh, a lot during the same night for the for the. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know. Let me say again, real, real quick before we do our closing. This had cool things about it. I just think as presenting it as this gothic feel ghost story is what kind of derailed it a little bit. If it could have been repackaged, I'll go back, open package, end package, since I was talking about the wrapping of whatever. If it would have been wrapped a little bit different, I think the elements that we did like would have been stronger. It just kind of didn't quite deliver. But the acting, I think we all agree on a positive note, the acting of the actors was above and beyond. It was just the story. Would you guys agree with that? Yep. Yep. Awesome. You cannot fault the performance in this. Indeed. But what we can say is Clarence Brown where else can you be found on the internet or what are you reading or watching? Uh, my parting gift will be uh, Titans on HBO Max, uh, where I'm enjoying oh. the latest episode. It got kind of slow for a minute, but uh, it's five episodes in the season three. And the latest episode is, is named Lazarus, if that's not a spoiler. Mm. <laughs> but I'm very much enjoying it. 
Well, I will say that I echo that and would be very interested to pick your brain on an episode of discussing comics to get your thoughts. You know, I don't want to put you down in a pit to do it, but, you know, there we go. But yes, I am enjoying that too. But Lee Shackelford, what parting gifts do you have for us? Well, uh, as promised, I got to make sure that people know that the uh, the fabulous Jessica Rain uh, has done a lot of television, a lot of British television, um, including being one of the uh, the uh, leads on the long running series called The Midwife, um, which is just a fantastic period piece, and of course she's brilliant in it. My favorite thing, probably, that she has done, though, I want to point people towards the um, short series just a few episodes called Partners in Crime, which is based pretty loosely on um, stories uh, and characters created by Agatha Christie. Uh, not Miss Marple, not Hercule Poirot, but her number three uh, story series, uh, Tommy and Tuppence. And of course, she's Tuppence. And Tommy, and this is David Williams, who mm. is uh, somebody that we're accustomed to seeing, usually in the company of Matt Lucas. But mm-hmm. uh, he... For once, here he is, instead of with Matt Lucas, but with uh, Jessica Rain, which seems like uh, fill in the blank here. But um, he is having a ball being uh, Tommy, and she's great as Tuppence. They they are uh, ordinary people who get thrown into the situation of being spies. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very interesting to watch them navigate that. And she's... Um, she's, she's a little like... Um, she plays it a little bit the way she played Verity Lambert. Uh, piss and vinegar <laughs> but uh, uh i just think they're wonderful anyway so brit box acorn um, all of those uh, avenues to british television that uh, listeners to our show probably have uh, yeah call the midwife partners in crime there you go awesome awesome well you know lee i will have to point everyone to another show that you are on of course We will always mention Relativity, which you can find at RelativityPodcast.com. However, the uh, multiple award-winning Relativity. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Not just any Relativity. The multi-award-winning Relativity, also starring Clarence Brown. And where is my brain? I would also point everyone to Oz9, which, you know, we talk about Oz9 often, and we have Shannon on as many times as we can get her. You weren't able to participate, Lee, in part two of the hiatus episodes, which I just listened to today. And for everyone listening, go out and and check it out because that was so much fun to do. I asked questions on the fly, so I didn't get a chance to prepare my questions. So that was fun listening because I had no idea what my questions were because, again, I didn't prepare them. It is fun. It is so much fun listening to Oz9. So please Go out, listen to Oz9. Well, let me add to that then that um, I just heard that episode as well. And um, I, I did not know that you didn't know you were going to be the host of interviewer <laughs> in advance because you really sounded uh, poised. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Uh, so you, you pulled it off. man. I, I, I thought that you had uh, come in there with a sheaf of index cards with questions. So no. That was great. And the part that is not included in the final presentation is Shannon basically saying something to the effect, anybody want to ask questions? I'm tired. I've had meetings today. Anybody? Mm. Anybody? Questions? No, I I thought that was in the episode because it was sort of at that moment that I thought, (laughs) she's kidding, right? 
They have. They, they must have set this up in advance. Uh, no, but, but it no, was fun. Right? It, it right. was so much fun. And uh, encourage everyone to go out and have fun just listening to people talk. But to get the complete experience, go back and listen yes. to the first 60 episodes and have a ball listening to it. So that being said, gentlemen, as always, thank you for joining me. This was so much fun. And we will be back next time for our journey to the center of the TARDIS. And as always, like I just said, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.